from Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. No was not in my vocabulary. If a client wanted a session and I could fit it into my schedule, I said yes. Today on episode 17 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Sonia Liljeberg. Sonia launched her own practice combining energy and massage following a long career as an employee in the health and wellness field. In this episode, Sonia explains how she got her business launched without any clients on her first day in business. If you're trying to build your own business after a late career job loss and want to make more money faster with fewer mistakes along the way, sign up for a complimentary Going Solo action planning session now. Go to goingsoloplan.com. That's goingsoloplan.com. Now let's welcome Sonia Liljeberg. Sonia began her energy work long before she knew that that was her calling. She combines this energy work with massage to customize the best possible outcome for clients that have a wide range of ailments. Sonia, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Sonia, when did your energy work become your calling? You know, it was sometime actually in the early 2000s that I realized I had kind of, in layman's terms, a gift of energy work. And it was something that was very new to me that I didn't know and didn't understand. So it took quite some time to kind of figure that out, that it was a a viable career option. So I would say, gosh, it's been nearly 20 years. Wow. And when you first realized it, what were you doing for work? I was working for Aveda and managing a beauty school. So I was already in beauty and health and wellness in that environment, which kind of made it easier. But that's what introduced me to the idea that energy in the world affects everything that's outside of us and then inside of us. Mm -hmm. And you were working as an employee at that point, right? Yes, yes, yes. I was, uh, yeah, I was uh, a manager, a guest services manager. Okay. And how much longer after that did you work as an employee? I Stayed with Aveda probably for a total of about seven years. And then I I worked at different environments after that for probably another good seven years before I started to transition into realizing it was okay to work for myself. What was the trigger that caused you to actually open up your own shop? That I hated working for somebody (laughs) and having a schedule that was beholden to somebody else's needs. I, I wanted to really be able to live my life and my schedule in my way. Mm-hmm. And can you can you sort of walk through the like the last bit of time when you were an employee and then how you actually made that transition to being self-employed? Sure. So what started all of this was about four and a half years ago, I moved from Chicago to New York City and I was working for a large company at the time which I thought was great. It offered me lots of great opportunities. I enjoyed the people I worked with, who I worked for, and I enjoyed my clients. Then I come to New York and and found that it was a very different environment than it was in Chicago. I found that I couldn't do all the things that I wanted the way that I wanted to and or was taught and coached in the beginning, I guess is the right words. And in that first, I would say 10 months and then the preceding five months after. So it took me about 15 or 16 months before I started working more and more on my own. And that was in part to leaving that large corporation 
to also having to renew my massage license in the state of New York, which forced me to then come to realization of, do you want to go back and work for somebody else or do you want to work on your own? And I chose that I was much happier being on my own. And so did you have some clients on the side while you were working full time? I didn't. That was kind of the hard part was figuring out because as a massage therapist and an energy worker, you don't just put your shingle out, you know, like the old days and and all of a sudden somebody just walks up to your door and says, great, I'd like to have a massage with you. It very, very rarely happens that way. And especially even more so with energy work. That's all that's all referral based. People do that by word of mouth. So you can't just literally go out and get clients. So we in the industries, we call them kind of the mayors of your business. So you, it takes one person basically that can spearhead everything for you. And I got lucky enough to meet the right person in the right place in the right time as I was beginning my uh, solo career. And he said, I have people that would love you. And he referred me clients and they referred me to their friends and they referred me to their friends. And it was kind of that grassroots networking campaign that got me to where I am today. Mm. And did you find this person that ended up becoming the, that initial rainmaker before you started your own business or after? Before. Okay. So you, you already had some potential leads or a source of leads before you, before you quit your job. Yeah, I had a few. It was interesting because a few of my clients from the company that I was coming from had uh, as they like to refer to it because they're good friends right now. And they're like, we stalked you to figure out where you were. We found you on social media to find out where you were working and what you were doing. And they were the first ones that actually reached out to me after I left and found out. And they said, listen, we want to buy a massage table and we want you to come and be our weekly therapist. And we want to you know, do all these things. And they said, and we have friends that are going to love you. And that kind of went that way. But that was much slower process than this other guy really working to help me out and, and referring me, I would say, three quarters of my client base, whether it was massage or energy work. Wow. So how long did it take from day one of being in your own business until you felt like you had some consistency and stability? It took me 14 months because at the time, as I started working more and more on my own, I was working in hospitality. I was working in a New York City rooftop bar and working there technically full-time and trying to do clients full-time and in between all the days off and my time's off and free moments. Just kind of working like 60 type hours a week to make it work. And then I would say, yeah, about 14 months later, I finally said, I don't need this anymore. And I was self-employed. Right. So was the the hospitality job something that was guiding you through the transition in terms of revenue? Yeah, it was a means to an end in terms of it's easy cash, flexible schedule, because I could work lunch shift, I could work an evening shift, and I could have daytime clients, and I could have evening clients. So it afforded me that flexibility, but it it gave me stable income at the same time while I was trying to build my business. Because as most people know, if you decide to go out on your own, it's not an easy endeavor and you have to... In the beginning, you got to find a way to you know still stay afloat. And then one day... I realized it just didn't need it. Right. And now now that you've been in, in your business for several years, how would you describe your sweet spot? Um, sweet spot, goodness. You know, it partially it depends on 
where I'm at because I am a very analytical person, which is pretty unusual for somebody that's in my line of work in terms of, of energy work and massage where we're all nurturing easy souls. And, but I'm also, I like to analyze everything. So I have spreadsheets and data sheets and this way and that way. And, and I track my business every month, every day, every year so that I can see where that runs. So if I know that last year, June was a great month, then I'm going to concentrate on making sure that that stays a great month because July is going to be a quieter month. So I find the sweet spot in what I'm doing and how I'm doing by tracking where my business was the previous year. Oh, interesting. So at this point, who's your ideal client and what, what do you do for them? You know, I would say my ideal client on the massage side, I tend to work with very active people that have active lifestyles that have come from injury, past athletes, people that have a true functional disorder that I can fix because they don't do what we call kind of that frou-frou massage where you go to the spa and you want to be totally blissed out and relaxed. It's not the type of work I do. I'm going to really kind of beat up on you. You're going to get off the table and feel like Gumby or you've grown two or three inches. So that's my massage client. My energy client, I tend to be attracted to and or people that are attracted to me are um, people that have an emotional need in their life. They are emotionally imbalanced, some sort of struggle with past relationships or career issues, people that have pent up sadness, big life changes. Those kinds of things are, are the people that I tend to be really attracted to that suit my energy work and suit their needs very well. Yeah, sound, sounds like a good fit. Sonia, going back to what you mentioned about data, what are the most important performance indicators that you look at regularly? There's two different ways that I look at what I've got going on because I have two different types of client. I have a regular business client and then I have my family clients. So I have to base some of my business skills in terms of scheduling and managing that when my clients, for example, that have kids when they're on break. So if it's spring break or winter break, summer breaks, these are my busy times. These are my slow times. So I keep those always in mind. It's also when I tend to schedule my own time off and my own vacation because I'm not losing as much money when you're self-employed. You have no vacation time uh, that's paid. And I look at that as a number one factor in that aspect. And then for my other people is when do they normally just take their vacations? Are they big travelers during the winter and they go skiing all the time or they have homes in Florida and they, you know, head down there? Those are the number one factors that I try to put into place so that I can keep myself going. Because let's say I have an amazing one month and the next month it's it could swing two or three thousand dollars in terms of my income, but the previous month was two or three thousand dollars up. So I know that that balance will follow itself through because I can also go back and look at what did it do last year? Is it following the same trends? Yes or no? Great. Then I know that I'm going to be back up next month. Mm. And, and are, in addition to tracking revenue, are there other performance indicators that you look at, other data? Um, I don't think so. I think, I think that's the number one thing for me because it's just me. There is not much else that I need to know about other than when I know I need to take a break. You know, I mean, massage and energy work is very exhausting. So I, I also have to pay attention to where my own like personal performance comes into play, because if I get too tired to do the work correctly, then my clients aren't benefiting from what it is that I can help them with. Sonia, looking back over the 
few years since you started your business, what has transpired and worked differently than you expected? That's a really good question. I was very unsure of what this kind of life would look like. And that, and I mean by that, when you decide to be a standalone body worker, you have to hustle and you, you can't just wait for clients to come to you. But I'm a terrible networker. I, that is not my thing. And so trying to kind of really go through the motions of making sure I stayed as busy. And in the beginning, no was not in my vocabulary. If the client wanted a session and I could fit it into my schedule, I said yes. And that meant I worked seven days a week. Sometimes I worked 25 days in a row with at least one client a day. And then eventually, I would say about a year, year and a half in, I finally felt comfortable enough with the amount of clients that I had and the base of clients that I had in terms of regulars, weekly regulars, that I could learn to say no and manage my time better and say, okay, you deserve to have one day a week off and it's going to be this day. And if you take somebody on that day, then it's at, oh, you need to be done by this time so you still have a whole day. So I, I made deals basically with myself about scheduling appropriately, making sure that I was emotionally taken care of. Yeah. And that's, that's really important. What do you find to be some of the bigger challenges of running your own business? Managing my time, both personally and professionally, because as a body worker, I would say 90% of my clients are available from 4 p.m. until 9, 9.30 p.m. at night. And they want that at least four days a week. And they want from 11 o'clock on a weekend until six o'clock on a weekend, Saturday and Sunday. So that doesn't allow me much personal time. So I had to go through and really find the balance in saying, okay, if you're going to go until whatever on a weeknight, here's your latest time. And you make exceptions when you make exceptions, but it's not every night. So I try to, for example, be home back in my door somewhere between nine and 10 o'clock every single night. I no longer do Fridays unless it's before noon. That's my day off. And Saturdays and Sundays, I stopped seeing people after 6 p.m. So I made sure that I had the personal time balance. That was the biggest thing was I have times for friends. I have times to go to the theater. I have times to go sit in the park. If I start at one time in the, in the afternoon and it's you know nice outside, then I'm going to take a book. I'm going to bring my lunch and I'm going to go outside and sit until I have to be somewhere else. That I'm not running around like an idiot. But the flip side is there's sometimes I may not have any client until 6 p.m. at night and then I become the laziest person and I don't leave my house until I have to go to my client because that downtime is just as healthy for me as, as, uh, as anything else. When you started to structure your time the way you just described, did that mean that you had to say no to some clients that wanted to meet with you outside the hours you were willing to work? Yes, it did. And I and I had to come to the realization it was okay to say no. I went through huge guilt for the longest time and or thought that I would lose those clients because I was saying no. But then it became one of these things where I would say, no, I can't do it at that time. But here are my times for the week and or next week that are available. Let's get you booked. And people are like, okay, great. No problem. Let me look at my schedule. And it didn't turn into those great, okay, well, I, you don't work for my schedule right here, right now, then I won't see you again. Yeah. Let's actually talk about the guilt because um, I certainly have felt guilt when I'm saying no to people, when they really uh -huh. want something and, it, and it, I, I realize that it's not going to work for the way I want to run my business. 
How do you overcome that feeling of guilt? It's not easy, that's for sure, because when you do work for yourself, you realize and come to understand that when you're not working, you're not making any money. And when you're not making any money, you know, where's the money come from to pay bills kind of a thing. I think to me, the the rid of the guilt came from knowing that when I was seeing my clients, that I was providing them with the best possible service that they could get. And then I knew that was working because they were referring me to their friends, which meant that, okay, I'm, I'm not feeling as guilty because I said no. Or if I was saying no, that it wasn't because I didn't like them. It was because I needed either the personal time or I was too tired or their location potentially didn't fit into my schedule. And I, I simply said, I have to say no, and I have to be okay with that. If they don't like it, they don't like it. But if they love me, they're still going to come back. My personal time became as important to me as anything else. And that was where the lack of guilt fell into play. Right. Which means that you really came to terms with owning your own value. Yes, absolutely. Hands down, yes. Yeah, that's really important. Sonia, your primary skill set is the energy work and the massage work. What have been some of the best resources to help you either learn the business skills you needed or do better at the skills that are most important for actually running a business? I'm lucky enough to come from a family of entrepreneurs, meaning my dad owned his own businesses for a long time. He was also a CPA for many years. So my analytical side and my business skill sense and work sense comes from him because that's what I grew up with. But I, and that was a good mentor type positioning. I have another mentor of mine in my energy work side that has helped me for years to try and learn and grow my business there. And I talk to her sometimes monthly, but in terms of like physical resources, there wasn't, there isn't a whole lot and wasn't a whole lot when I started, for example, primarily in massage, I had to go and create my own systems, my own Excel spreadsheets. How do I program everything in here to track it all? using Quicken to manage my money and my income and making sure that I was going through all of that. And on the business side, I have a great accountant. I have a financial advisor, but on the massage and body work and energy work side, there aren't a whole lot of people out there. Your teachers, when you're in school, definitely are a great source of that information, but very few of them work for themselves. So it's, there wasn't anything that said, okay, when you Here's what happens when you graduate school. If you want to start your own business, here's how much you should be charging for a massage. Here's how much you should be charging for a Reiki session. There isn't that information. Interesting. So I went and had to, I was like, okay, so I've worked for this company for so long. Here's what we charged. And I'm working on clients in the same neighborhood. So I based my prices off of what physical brick and mortar locations were charging for services. And then I added a little extra dollar on there because I was making an effort to come to their house. So I said, okay, if, if they're coming and paying me $120 in a spa setting, then I'm going to charge $130 to come to their home. And I'm going to charge you if I need to bring you a table with me and if I need to do this. And then I based my numbers all off of that and realized it wasn't a problem. And people didn't have a problem paying me what I thought I was worth. How did it feel the first time you had you had to set your own prices or use 
a system that you hadn't used before, something you were developing for the first time in your business where you're putting it out there and you had no idea how people would respond? It's a little scary because it's you will you worry as a independent therapist and body worker if you're charging too much. And on the flip side, if you're charging not enough, because then people take advantage of you. And then I have to have more clients scheduled on my books in order to make the ends meet. And it wasn't something that I wanted to have. I wanted to make sure that I was charging a rate that suited me, my clients could manage, but also then paid my bills where I wasn't having to work and do over the amount of table time, as we call it, that my body could handle and my mind could handle, my energy could handle. So it's a scary thing when you go and you put those systems into place. I mean, the Excel stuff and the Quicken stuff, that was a change in progress. You know, in the last three and a half years of working for myself, I've tweaked it a little bit every year because it works better for me if I do this kind of information on there or have a little bit more of this touch and base kind of a thing. So it changes a little bit every year, but my base now has really helped me. And the people that are coming behind me, I have some mentees and I'm like, this is what I do and this is how I do it. And this is how it's helped me. And and these girls or gals, I should say, young ladies are ever thankful that they have that information because they're like, I have no idea what to do or how to do it or how to start it because it isn't information they give you when you're sitting in a classroom. Yeah. Fascinating. So when you're looking forward, what do you see for your business? I I would like to literally see it keep growing, but in different ways, meaning right now I do way more massage than I would like to. And I'm in the process of trying to switch it more into the Reiki and the energy and the body work intuitive healing because it's less stress on my body, but it's also what I set out to do in the beginning. And that was the number one goal. So I really want to go back and kind of refocus that energy to that side of it. But at the same time, it's kind of like starting all over again. So I have to do all the networking again. I have to start rebuilding my client base. I have to stop taking so many massage clients so that I have room in my schedule for this. And you worry that you aren't going to get those clients in and that money's not going to be there. So the idea is just to keep growing and keep changing it and and to believe. That's the biggest thing I have to tell myself is I'm good enough and I'm smart enough <laughs> to make those changes happen. And, and people are going to want to be on my schedule because I'm good at what I do. Yeah, that's probably the most important thing. Sonia, if someone wants to learn more about you and what you're up to, and access anything, any of the resources you may have, where would they go? There's two options. You can visit my website, which is Lotus Lounge Healing Center. And that talks about me and my journey. It gives my rates and my rate information um, and how I come up with certain things in terms of rates uh, uh, versus body work and massage work and energy work and intuitive healing sessions. And I am always happy. My emails on there reach out to me. I'm pretty good about returning messages pretty quickly because it's important to me to make sure that other people don't freak out the same way that I did when they're starting. Yeah. Sonia, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, um, sharing a little bit about your story, how you've built a, a fantastic business. My guest today has been Sonia Liljeberg, intuitive healer and massage therapist. Thank you again, Sonia, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me today. 
when you visit the Going Solo website at smashingtheplateau.com slash goingsolo, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today we learned how Sonia got her business launched without any clients on her first day in business and much more. If you are trying to build your own business after a late career job loss and want to make more money faster with fewer mistakes along the way, sign up for a complimentary Going Solo action planning session now. Go to goingsoloplan.com. That's goingsoloplan.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a late career job loss. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.